Hi everybody, welcome back to Talks with Miri. So, I need to explain my hiatus, first of all. And I'm just gonna chalk it up to simply not... I don't know, I didn't have a topic that was really driving me, if that makes sense. Because if I don't have the passion to talk about it, I feel like it would be subpar. And that's not really fair to anybody. Because I don't want you guys to listen to something which is so, like, boring. Because... It wasn't there for me, if that makes sense. But I'm back again. I found the topic. Inspiration struck me. And I promise you guys, I don't think it's leaving anytime soon. And they will all be back out on the regular days because, you know, said a lot of people don't want to do that again. And I'm very sorry for that. And now we're going to talk about the planet dying. So today's episode is going to be an environmental episode because I do give a lot of priority to, you know, social and political issues. And it's essential that we care not only for political and social issues, but environmental issues because they're all interlinked and it's important that we discuss these. And I know that when a lot of people hear about climate change or global warming or the fact that the planet's dying in general, a lot of people immediately turn off and one of two things happen. One, they think they're going to hear some like liberated speech about how, you know, they shouldn't eat meat and they should walk everywhere and it's like, fairly aggressive in its approach or the second thing is they're going to be like too much to handle not doing this tapping out and the mind does tend to do that when the problem feels like it's above you or that you are not even going to be helpful to the problem the mind turns off and i'd explain it in more detail but that requires more time and i mean it is a heavy burden and a lot of people think that these little differences and changes they'll make will not really make a huge difference and in the grand scheme of things some people just can't accept that the world is ending or that we're harming the planet to that extent. First things first, in order to discuss this, we need to understand what global warming is. Global warming is the heating up of the Earth, so temperatures over the land and ocean have increased globally by 1 degree Celsius. Global warming and climate change are the same thing, it's just, it's just different ways of saying it, quite frankly. And climate scientists have found humanity's fingerprints all over the planet's warming. And the overwhelming majority of the evidence is pointing to the extra greenhouse gases which we've put into the atmosphere by burning fossil fuels. So greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide trap heat at the Earth's surface, preventing that heat from escaping back out into space too quickly. So, for instance, when we burn coal, natural gas, oil, or energy, or when we cut down forests that soak up greenhouse gases, we add even more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. So, essentially, the planet warms up. Global warming also refers to what scientists would think will happen in the future if humans essentially keep doing what we're doing. So, many experts consider 2 degrees Celsius of warming to be unacceptably high, so that increases the risk of deadly heat waves, droughts, flooding, and extinctions. Rising temperatures will drive up global sea levels as the world's glaciers and ice sheets melt. So further global warming could affect everything from our ability to grow food to the spread of disease. So there's a lot of skeptics to this and there's fairly solid proof that the world is heating up 
For example, we have a decrease in the levels of sea ice. We have an increase in the ocean heat content. We have an increase in sea levels. We have an increase in sea surface temperatures, an increase in temperature over oceans. We have an increase in water vapor. We have an increase in air temperature near surface. We have a decrease in glaciers and ice sheets. We have a decrease in snow cover and we have an increased temperature over land. Now, what makes this so crazy is that climate change is created by capitalistic countries. So the US is a really good example. China, Germany, for example, they have the highest emissions in the world. And okay, makes sense. Manufacturing industries, capitalism is fueling them. They have every incentive to build stuff. Fine, they're just not going to do it environmentally friendly because that costs more money. Ain't nobody doing that. The problem is now, and the irony of why this is also messed up, is that despite the fact that they have the highest emissions, the countries that suffer the most are third world countries. So even though that little company out there is building the most amazing capitalistic products that you can think of, because my mind's gone black for, blank, sorry, for an example, it's the subsistence farmer in Kenya or Nigeria who suffers because they all of a sudden can't grow food or the crop that they used to is not growing because why just someone had to produce something to buy i have a bit more facts and figures for you guys but i promise you to get a little bit more entertaining soon so Global warming has given us increased temperatures on every continent, increased the frequency and danger of floods and storms because the world's atmosphere can hold more moisture as it warms. So this means more heat waves, shrinking sea ice, the extent of the sea ice in the Arctic has always been at its maximum in winter, but it has shrunk since 1979 by 3.3% per decade. Summer sea ice has dwindled even more rapidly by 13.2% per decade. Antarctica has seen recent years with record growth in sea ice, but it's a very different environment than the Arctic, and the losses in the north far exceed any gains in the South Pole. So total global sea ice is on the decline. And quite frankly, it's a little bit, it's a little bit disheartening because th- this is that effect people have where they hear this and they'll think, well, then what difference does taking shorter showers make, or what difference does me walking anywhere make? Like we're basically screwed. But there is hope. And I will get to that very, very, very soon. Global warming actively impacts the planet, like tremendously. And an example of this, firstly, would be the sea level rise. So global sea levels rose 9.8 inches, which is 25 centimeters in the 19th and 20th centuries. After 2,000 years of basically not changing, and the pace is now speeding up. Sea level rise is caused by both the thermal expansion of the ocean, so water warms up, it expands, and the melting of glaciers and ice sheets, but not sea ice. Then there's the shrinking of glaciers and ice sheets. Glaciers around the world have, on average, been losing ice since the 1970s. In some areas, that is reducing the amount of available fresh water. The ice sheet on Greenland, which would raise global sea levels by 25 feet if it all melted, is declining, with some sections experiencing a sudden surge in the melt rate. The Antarctic ice sheet is also getting smaller, but at a much slower rate. Then there's food supply. A hotter climate can be both good for crops, because it would you know, obviously increase the growing season and more carbon dioxide can increase photosynthesis, and bad because that excess heat can now damage the plants. 
The IPCC found that global warming was currently benefiting crops in some high-latitude areas, but that negative effects were becoming increasingly common worldwide. So places like California are likely to decrease their crop yields by 40% by 2050. That is scary. Shifting species. Many land and marine species have had to shift their geographic ranges in response to warmer temperatures. So far, several extinctions have been linked to global warming, such as the frog species of Central America. offer up solutions and they are mainly independent but some obviously require a form of government backing because it is a lot more than you guys can do than just you know choosing a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle or just recycling plastic there is a lot more ways to also help the fight against climate change number one is refrigeration management so we have hfc's which is your standard refrigerator these are over 1,000 to 9,000 percent more likely to heat up the atmosphere however there's hope thanks to the Kigali Accord, as the world would phase out HFCs, starting with high-income countries in 2019, then some low-income countries in 2014, others in 2028. Substitutes are already on the market, so these include natural refrigerants such as propane and ammonium. 90% of emissions from refrigerators happen at the end of their life, so effective disposal of these currently in circulation is essential. After being carefully removed and stored, refrigerants can be purified for reuse or transformed into other chemicals that do not cause warming. Doing this would save 89.74 gigatons of reduced CO2. Reducing food waste would also aid climate change, or well, aid in stopping it, because a third of the food raised or prepared does not make it from the farm or factory to your fork. Producing uneaten food squanders a whole host of resources, and this includes seeds, water, energy, land, fertilizer, hours of labor, and financial capital, and generates greenhouse gases at every stage. So this includes methane when organic matter lands in the global rubbish bin. The food we waste is responsible for roughly 8% of global emissions. Losing food to one waste heap or another is a huge issue in both high-income and low-income countries. In places where income is low, wastage is not really intentional, and it occurs earlier in the supply chain, so food rots and farms, spoils during storage or distribution. Now, in the HICs, which is higher income, food waste dominates further along the food chain, so from the stores to us, retailers and consumers. We, we, we're quite materialistic, or I don't want to say materialistic, what's the word? Vain in our food choices, right? No bruises, no bumps, no scratches, etc. And companies obviously know this and they exploit this and they now weed out the food on bumps, bruises and color. And once they're done with that, the food either goes to piggeries or which I hope is fairly self-explanatory. But if you don't know what that is, they take it to pig farms or it's literally left to rot and is thrown away. Or we as consumers, I don't know why I dragged out that we, <laughs> we either buy too much food that we don't use and gets thrown away or we don't, we don't really or we're not known for finishing food that's purchased as consumers and i'm gonna generalize this because that's the only way that it's gonna get through to people isn't it so it's crucial to buy food that will be eaten in its entirety not just because and interestingly 
After taking into account the adoption of plant-rich diets, if 50% of global food waste is reduced by 2050, avoided emissions could be equal to 26.2 gigatons of carbon dioxide. Reducing waste also avoids the deforestation of additional farmland, preventing 44.4 gigatons of additional emissions. We used forecasts of regional waste estimated from farm to household. This data shows that up to 35% of food in high-income economies is thrown out by consumers. In low-income economies, however, relatively little is wasted at the household level. And you can find out more about the amounts that would be reduced in other ways from Draw Plan, which is an excellent website in regards to helping fight climate change. plant-rich diet. So emissions could be reduced by as much as 70% through adopting a vegan diet and 63% for a vegetarian diet, which includes cheese, milk, and eggs. This option, of course, it causes a whole lot of debate because it circles back to your level of income as well as your culture because um, a lot of cultures realistically have built their nature around meat consumption others not so much but shout out to karisha because i've seen this on her story and she'd made this brilliant point because she posted that she's reduced her meat consumption not entirely cut it out which i think is an alternative that a lot more people would be willing to consider so even if it's just a day or three days out of the week eating food that is both local and in season also helps because less emissions are created in transportation and eating in season obviously creates friendlier production methods so guys if you're like me right with this whole meat consumption thing and you couldn't cut out forever we can at least try to reduce the days on which we do consume meat Switching to LEDs is another option because LEDs use 90% less energy than incandescent bulbs for the same amount of light and half as much as compact fluorescents without the toxic mercury. By transferring most of their energy use into creating light rather than heat like older technologies, LEDs reduce electricity consumption and air conditioning loads. The price is obviously a bit more expensive than incandescent or fluorescents, but it is falling rapidly. And an LED bulb will last much longer than any other type, and there's still more than a billion people that live in the dark when the sun sets. So low energy use means LEDs can be powered with small solar cells. Solar LED lights can also replace expensive kerosene lamps and their noxious fumes and emissions while addressing the problem of light poverty that can reduce 7.81 gigatons of CO2. So if you don't have LEDs or are looking for a more cost-effective manner to deal with them they're usually on sale at macro fairly cheap even the little led lamps so if you guys ever do come across it's really nice because we also used to do it like you get them and you donate them to obviously people in lower privileged areas the led lamps and they do last much longer so if you guys are able to do that that is also one way to help reduce co2 emissions Shipping. So you know how we all like to order them stuff? This little shipping thing. It takes 5 million barrels of fuel per day to move commercial ships across the routes. And added up over the course of a year, international shipping emits more than 800 million tons of carbon dioxide or its equivalent in other greenhouse gases. 11% of the total emissions 
from the transportation sector. But one way of addressing this, it was mentioned that you can instead choose to order in bulk, as opposed to maybe five orders throughout the year. If you do order to make it more efficient and more environmentally friendly, place one large order once and for all and have it delivered here. And they are looking at ways to make ships more environmentally friendly, but obviously that costs money, so it's not really going to be on the forefront of a lot of business owners or the government's minds, is it? obvious simply just because it reduces co2 emissions is the use of public transportation or carpooling as a whole the more people same direction same mode of transport the less amount of cars that obviously be on the road therefore less emissions therefore more environmentally friendly It's essential that you purchase and contribute to the recycling of paper. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Lots of recycling bins are actually set up in Cape Town, which is really nice. And it's fairly obvious to see when you're buying recycled paper, the texture is a little bit different. And the whole reason that this helps is because you don't have to now go cut down another tree, transport it, etc. You're not taking something which can absorb greenhouse gases out of the world and you're not trying to add to further transportation costs. So essentially, if you can get recycled paper, do that. If you're able to, also making your home more environmentally friendly, and this ranges from if you're constructing a new home, using wood as the material, or something as simple as insulation. So obviously this is making it harder for heat to escape your home, so now this would result in you using stuff like heater and electric blankets less, so that obviously results in less energy use. Monitoring your water use obviously helps. Obviously, you've all heard of taking shorter showers or having a bucket in the shower. But another way is if you're doing your laundry, using hot water to do your laundry is going to waste a shit ton of energy. So it takes 75% more energy to use hot water in your little laundry cycle than it does to use cold water. And switching to cold water could save 4.61 gigatons of water. And if you are, you know, low-key balling, you could switch to the Nevia showerhead. And it's a shower head that's essentially been designed to cover a mass area. So essentially, the, the whole theory is you spending less time in the shower. And it is only 7k. Sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things that middle to upper class do spend their money on, in the long run, this is actually a really smart move. You could also start a compost, it's straightforward and it's fun and it stands to save 2.28 gigatons of carbon. Planting a tree, it reduces carbon emissions and it's like having like a green baby. Matter of fact, start a mini vegetable garden. I personally like gardens, so I find those stuff... Did I say garden? I personally like gardening, so I find those stuff fun. But 
it's not for everyone, but some of you would actually be surprised. It's really fun. And I was pleasantly surprised. You can sign those petitions that people send you. Use your social media. It adds pressure to the government and it will eventually force them to act. It's very hard to ignore a problem when people are literally banging on your door. If you can afford to, pursue renewable forms of energy, so solar paneling and green pricing, which is also another alternative. So essentially, you contact your utility company and ask for your energy, or sorry, ask for your energy to come from, you know, cleaner sources, but obviously you're going to just pay a bit more. You can change HVAC filters on your aircon often, like every three months, because dirty ones obviously result in more work, so more energy use. Don't throw your clothes away, give them away or recycle them. Make your work and study areas more exposed to natural light, so that way you're going to use less light. So those windows you have in your homes, use them. Stop drinking bottled water. Landfills already contain more than 2 million tons of plastic bottles and 1.5 million barrels of oil are used to manufacture water bottles every year. And those bottles take more than 1,000 years to biodegrade. Make sure your tires have enough pressure. Underinflated tires have a negative effect on fuel economy. So you can improve your petrol mileage by 0.6% on average, up to 3% in some cases, by keeping your tires inflated to the proper pressure. But a petrol mileage means fewer trips to the pump, and that results in reduction in carbon dioxide emissions. Calculate your personal carbon footprint. I will put the link in my description, but I don't know if it will be clickable, but it will be there nonetheless. Make sure your petrol gauge is not loose broken or damaged otherwise petrol escapes as vapor and that's it's fairly self-explanatory as to why that's bad and use those material shopping bags guys don't leave them at home because i know a lot of people do have them like you genuinely do plan on having them but you forget them but a good tip is to keep them in your boot that way you you you're highly unlikely to forget them because you will have them at the shopping center or mall and when ironically when we're living in kenya um i think if i remember correctly you get your groceries in a paper bag and if you wanted plastic then you had to pay for the plastic and that was a really really good incentive because obviously then everyone was just paper bagging it up and another way is to turn off unnecessary lights this also irks this shit out of me if you don't like if you're not even in the bathroom right for example why is the bathroom light on and support a carbon tax lastly so any carbon tax petitions or hashtags or posts that you see support them and it's essentially a fee imposed on the burning of carbon-based fuels like coal oil and gas and it's a way for users of carbon fuels to pay for the climate change damage caused by doing this so once there's some money raised up from this tax we're actually able to put bigger changes in place that will benefit everyone So to end off with, I'm going to leave you obviously with a quote, and a, uh, not a song, actually, yes, I'm going to leave you with the poem by Michael Jackson that my dad used to love playing for me, and it's a poem that he wrote to the world, essentially, because you know he was a little bit of a hippie child too, and I implore you guys to at least try one of the things on the list, at least try, not even for us, humans suck, we're terrible, try it for the animals, you know, they've been minding their business, they've been doing the same thing, they don't deserve this. 
And I know that sounds hippie child, but it's how I feel, man. Animals did nothing but mind their business. It's us. If it was just us suffering, then whatever. We're probably meant to die anyway. But now we gotta try for the animals and we gotta try for our futures. Because if not, we're supporting capitalism. We're supporting some random head of a company somewhere destroying the planet just to sustain his lifestyle, which is not fair. We actually need to try, guys. One thing off this list, even if it's not eating meat for a day, even if it's walking somewhere for a day, even if it's checking your fucking tires every time you get into the fucking car, just something to try and make a change into this rather mundane world. And now I'm going to leave you guys with a quote by Guy McPherson. And he says, If you really think that the environment is less important than the economy, try holding your breath while you count your money.